The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people and is a story to be shared with whom? With all people. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. Well, welcome everyone and Merry Christmas. It's great to see you all here today. I'll start off by telling you a little, little true story. It was about 10 years ago, I began to notice a little difficulty when I would speak for an extended period of time. Now, fortunately, in my line of work, I don't need to speak for extended periods of time, right? Well, no, that's not the case. I noticed that I would have to take a drink of water every few minutes, and that's not good. Occasionally, it would feel a little uncomfortable when I would swallow, and that's not good. So my doctor checked it out, and then he sent me to an ear, nose, and throat specialist who determined that I had nodules on my thyroid, and that's not good. So he sent me then to have them biopsied, and that's not good. So I went into the hospital on the appointed day, and they asked me to change into one of those hospital gowns. Oh, joy. That's not good at all, is it? So we went into, from there, we went into another room, and it was about 12 degrees in that room there. Oh, joy, right? So I got up onto a metal table, and the table was about minus 12 degrees. Oh, joy, right? So then the technician rubbed an anesthetic on my throat, and that felt like it was about minus 112 degrees. Oh, joy. So the technician then pulls a needle out that was about a foot long. Oh, joy. This won't hurt a bit, she said. Oh, joy. So she inserted the needle, and after what seemed like about an hour, pulled it back out. And then she said, okay, I want to get a different angle on that. Oh, joy. So the needle went back in, and after another hour or so, she pulled it back out. And finally, she said, okay, that's the first one. Oh, joy. Well, eventually then, the task was done, and I was able to change clothes and go back home. But now came the waiting period. And you know what the problem with waiting periods is? You have time to think, right? And so I thought about it, and I thought about it, and then I thought about it some more, until finally one day I was pacing in the family center right over there, and I said to myself, all right, Dan, are you going to trust God with this or not? And I decided that I was going to trust God with it and stop worrying. Well, shortly after that, I received the news that the nodules were benign, that there was no cancer. I said, well, that's good. That was good news of great joy, wasn't it? However, the doctor also said that he wanted to remove my thyroid because the nodules were growing very rapidly, and they would eventually impinge on my ability to speak and swallow. Speak and swallow, do I need to do that? Well, I guess uh, that's not good, so I better get that done. So I had the surgery, and my thyroid, nodules and all, was removed. And I now have to take a daily thyroid hormone pill, 
but I never have to concern myself with that issue again, and that is good news. Well, we are here today because we want to celebrate good news, but it is news much better than that news about my thyroid. This is good news of great joy. We are here to celebrate much better news than one I got that day. We're here to celebrate the good news of great joy that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it is Christmas Eve, and so we are once again celebrating the birth of our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. His coming into our world, his life of perfect obedience to the law of God, his sacrificial death as judgment for our sin, and then his resurrection All of this is good news of great joy for all who believe. As we've been studying our our, our Christmas story, we said it is a story within a story of God's grand story. What is the big overarching story of human history that God has put in place? Well, that is the story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, that God created all things that he created human beings, you and me, in his image, that is, in a position of being able to have a relationship with him then. He created us to know him, to worship him, to be objects of his eternal love and favor forever and ever. But we fell into sin. Our ancestor Adam failed that test of obedience to God's law. He fell into sin, and we inherited his corruption. We all fell in him. But God had a plan to send a Savior, a Redeemer, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world. He humbled Himself by coming into this world, taking on human flesh, being made like us in every way. And He passed that test of perfect obedience to God's law. He succeeded where Adam failed. He triumphed then. He went to that cross willingly where He took the judgment for our sin, our disobedience on Himself, He paid that penalty in full. He died. He was buried. And then he rose again. And he is coming again one day then to restore all things, to make all things new, not just our souls or spirits, not just our bodies, and not just human beings, but to restore the whole creation, make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. And this is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is what we celebrate here then today. So Christmas then is the story within the grand story. It is the story of the Redeemer being born, coming into this world, who would do all of those things then for us. So today then, we've been looking at various stories within that story. Today is the story of Christ's birth. Our scripture passage is Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And what's the big idea? What is the main point that I want us to take away from our message here today? Well, it is this, that the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. And is a story then to be shared with who? With all people. The birth of Jesus, good news of great joy for all people. A story to be shared then with all people. Before we look at our text in Luke chapter 2, a little context. You know, for hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, the scriptures had prophesied that a Messiah, a Savior, was coming. 
that he would rescue his people, that he would sit on the throne of David, and that he would reign forever and ever. And the scriptures also prophesied that he would be born in the city of David, which is, as the kids told us, what is that city of David called? Bethlehem, right? And so one day then, the angel Gabriel appeared to a virgin named Mary in the town of Nazareth, and she was told that she would bear a son who would be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God, that he would be given the throne of his father David, and that he would reign forever and ever. The Holy Spirit, she wondered, how could this possibly be since she was a virgin? And she was told that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, and by the power of the Most High, she, a virgin, would conceive a son who would be called Holy. And she, was to, and she was to give him the name Jesus, which means what? The Lord is salvation. Emmanuel. You said that last time, uh, Lynn. You said it. You had, he is Emmanuel, but that's not his name. It, it was what? Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. Right? The Lord is salvation. Because why? He would save his people from their sins. So Joseph then took Mary into his home as his wife, but they did not have sexual relations with her until after Jesus was born then. So we're told then in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So here we see an imperial decree, an imperial decree from the greatest power in the world at that time was Rome, and this was the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus. He was the ruler of the Roman Empire from officially from about 27 BC until AD 14, and he was the first Roman emperor. He was the grandnephew of Julius Caesar. Uh, Up before him, Rome was ruled by a senate. But then he became the overall ruler, the emperor then. Now, because Herod the Great's, empire, or because Herod the Great's reign ended in about 4 BC, Jesus then was born before that time. So sometime probably between 6 and 4 BC, Jesus was born. You might wonder, how could Jesus have been born BC, before Christ? I thought that was the point. Well, it has to do with a mathematical error in calendars years later, and so that had to get corrected back. Who would like to hear the story of that right now? Would like to go into all of that? that no, I don't either. But, uh, uh, so, but probably between 6 and 4 BC that Jesus was born. So Caesar then, Caesar announces a decree then. And what was the purpose of this decree? It was to, to count all of the people for what? What are, what are the things that never go away throughout human history? Death and taxes, right? So this, it was for taxation as well as possible military service in the Roman army. So for this census then, Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's ancestral home. Joseph was a descendant of David, 
And where was David born? In Bethlehem. So it was about a 90-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. How many days do you think that took them to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem? About 90 miles. They didn't jump in their car, so how did they do that? It was about three days. Very good. Very good, Lynn. So excellent. You got that one. So um, so it was about a a 90-mile journey. So that's, what, that's 30 miles a day. Who here would walk 30 miles a day? Could you do that? That's a long way. I remember one time... Uh, when I was a kid, I did this uh, charity walk thing, and it was like 20 miles. And it's like, wow, by the end of that 20 miles, man, that was a long walk. You know? But we're not used to that, are we? But they were. They would do that. So 30 miles a day, that was, uh, that was a, a journey that they would take often. So about a three-day three journey then from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem. By the way, Bethlehem, anybody know what the name Bethlehem means in Hebrew? It means what? The, the house, bakery? You're, yeah, very, it's the house of bread. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, the house of bread. And I find it interesting, just, just a little side note here, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. But in John chapter 6, Jesus says that what? That he is the bread from heaven. Right? He is the bread that came down from heaven. So I find it interesting that the bread who came down from heaven was then born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Now, some have thought, doesn't it seem kind of strange that why couldn't they have just registered where they were in Nazareth? Why did they have to go all the way to Bethlehem? But the reality is, is if you look into practices at the time, that actually was not an unusual thing. It was not an unknown practice at all to go to an ancestral town where you would register then. So Joseph was going for that, but Mary went with him as well. And there were probably several reasons for that. Uh, first off, the couple knew that, that Mary was going to be having the baby soon. And during the time then when Joseph was gone, they most likely did not want to be separated for that event. They wanted to be together for that event. And so she went with him. It is also possible that Mary may have needed to register there herself. But most importantly, what do you think the most important reason is why Mary went to Bethlehem with Joseph for this? Prophecy was saying what? That the Messiah would be born where? In Bethlehem. So they would have known that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. So here we see God used the decree of a Roman emperor in order to bring about his sovereign purpose in having the Messiah be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. You know, and God does that sometimes, doesn't he? God works in our lives. He uses the events and the decisions, the actions of others in order to bring about his ultimate purposes. And so God had purpose that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and he used this decree by the Roman emperor to assure that this couple in Nazareth would be in Bethlehem for that birth then. Next, then, we are told that, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So we see an imperial decree, but now a royal birth. It was a decree by an emperor but this would be the birth of a king. 
King Jesus. The child was born then during that time in Bethlehem. And we are told there that she gave birth to him. She was, he was what? Her firstborn son, which implies what? That she had other children as well, right? Jesus was not the only child that she had. And so the couple then was housed in quarters because there was famously what? No room for them in the inn. So there would have been a lot of people traveling at that time. There weren't a lot of, a lot of inn rooms to be had to begin with, but with all those people traveling, there simply wasn't room for them. And so they had to be placed somewhere else, which the most appropriate or the best they could do was what? Probably like a, a stable, right, where the, the animals were kept. And so he was born in a stable, and he was placed then in a manger. And what was a manger? It was a feeding trough, right? So can you think of any more humble birth than that? That here is Jesus. He is the Son of God. And he humbles himself, first off, by becoming human, taking on humanity to himself, right? It's pretty humbling right there. But he didn't come into the world. And he wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in, 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 at, C- at Caesar's palace, not in Las Vegas, the one in Rome, okay? He was not born there. He was not born in Jerusalem, in, in, the, in a palace there, but rather what? He was born to this poor young couple from Nazareth who were traveling to Bethlehem for this census. They had no place to stay, so they were staying where the animals stay. And when he was born, he was placed in a feeding trough there. Pretty humble birth, right? So he humbled himself. He was born in Bethlehem. He was placed in a manger. And by the way, oftentimes when we see nativity sets of mangers, we see oftentimes what? A little wooden uh, manger for that. And it's possible that's what it was. But we know from archaeological studies at the time that many mangers were actually carved in stone. Uh, This being the case because stables were often created out of caves. There were caves in the area. And so quite likely Jesus was born not only in a stable, but in a cave stable. And he was placed in a manger which was carved out of stone there. And these little mangers looked like a little bit like tombs. And so when you think about it, he was born and he was placed on this, on this stone manger that looked like a tomb, not unlike the tomb on which his body would be placed about 33 years later after he died on the cross for us. So he was wrapped in swaddling cloths to keep him warm and secure. Then Luke goes on to tell us then that and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So we see then an an angelic announcement, an angelic announcement. An announcing angel and then other angels appeared at night to a group of shepherds, and they heralded the birth of the Savior in the town of David, Bethlehem. Now, who were these shepherds? What were they doing there? Well, these shepherds were out in their fields. They were caring for lambs, which quite likely were destined for sacrifice during the time of Passover. So he said Bethlehem was just south of Jerusalem. And in these fields just south of Jerusalem there, this is where the lambs were kept that were often used for the lambs that were used in temple sacrifices. Do you find it? Interesting that, first off, that that this announcement came to shepherds, but then to these particular shepherds considering what those lambs would be used for. Because Jesus is what? The Lamb of God who would give his own life in Jerusalem not long after this. So they were keeping watch then over the flock in order to protect them from thieves and predatory animals. God chose to reveal this incredible news to shepherds. Well, who were shepherds in that day? Well, the truth is, is shepherds were not very highly regarded people in their society. They were not particularly looked up to. They had kind of a bad reputation, some of them. But yet... God chose them to be the first to hear this good news. You think there's some significance in that? I do. Because who is this good news for? For all the people, for everybody, the high and the mighty? Yes, it's for them as well. But who else? The lowly as well. The ones that don't have such a great reputation once the ones didn't think too highly of, that he came for them as well. And so the announcement is made first to them. So when these angels came, they saw these angels, and then also the radiant glory of the Lord shone around them. I believe that is what we call the Shekinah glory, that is the glory of God's presence shining brightly all around them. And how did they react to that? How would you have reacted to that, do you think? You're out there, you are just doing your job like any other night, and then all of a sudden you see these angelic beings in this bright, shining light all around you. How would you have reacted? You've probably been pretty scared, right? And they were. In fact, they were terrified by this. Like, who is this? What is this? What's happening? But the angels gave a message of comfort saying, as they often do, saying first, what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And the message then was that a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, was born. A Savior, that is, he would save people from their sins. He was Christ, which means the anointed one, the one who was chosen for this, the Messiah, the anointed one, and he is the Lord. He's no ordinary person. He is what? He is the Lord. He is God. Christ, the Lord. 
And this was good news of great joy. And this news was to be proclaimed to who? To all the people. This is for all the people. Now, specifically all the people of Israel, but also, as we know, not just all the people of Israel, but what? All the people of all the world, including even us here today, right? All the people. The angel was then joined by a great company of other angels engaged in praising God in the highest. We're told then, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So because God has sent a Savior, Christ the Lord, we can now worship him, give thanks to him, but then what? Declare peace, peace now among those with whom he is pleased. What is this peace that he is declaring? What's what? Peace with God. That we can now have peace with God. We're no longer at war with God. God is no longer at war with sinful human beings because he has sent a savior, a deliverer. And so now we can be at peace with God. And because of that, we can know the peace of God. And who is this for? With those with whom he is pleased. Those those upon whom he has bestowed this favor, his grace, his blessing. So those whom God has bestowed or given his grace and his blessing to can know his peace. You might say, well, wait a minute. Well, well, how can I... How can I know that peace? How can, I, how can I have that blessing on me? Well, the scripture says, what? All of those who believe in him are the objects of his blessing, his favor, his peace. So how can you have peace with God? How can you have the peace of God? By believing in Christ, the Savior, the Lord, right? Now, this isn't a message you could keep to yourself, says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So here we see then worshipful wonder, worshipful wonder. Shepherds went to see the baby. Would you want to go see this? If you had heard about that, absolutely, I think I would. I would want to see that too. And so they went to see all that had been relayed to them. They believed this message, but they wanted to see it for themselves. And after seeing the baby, the shepherds then were the first messengers. They were the first witnesses to proclaim the arrival of the Messiah. They spread the word. 
Those who heard, they were filled then with amazement, with awe, and with wonder. We're told there that Mary then treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart, that she was reflecting on this momentous event in history. Thinking of of all of the women in Israel, she was the one to be the mother of the Messiah. She treasured these things in her heart. You know, someone made a a comment one time on this, and I I think that's good for us to think about. You know, as, as Mary treasured these things in her heart, as she pondered them there, do you ever take the time to simply stop and ponder the wondrous truths of God, the wondrous truth of the gospel, the good news, the wondrous things that God has revealed to us in his word? Do you treasure those in your heart and ponder them? I think sometimes there may be a a particular moment in your life where, you know, God is always speaking to us through his word, isn't he? But there may be a time in your life, maybe you're going through something difficult, you're wrestling with some question or issue, and God speaks to you in that moment. And you see him speak to you, you hear him speak to you in the word. Do you take that time then to ponder on that? I know there have been some times in my life where I felt that, that God has spoken to me in a particularly meaningful way, that I needed that. And I like to go back and ponder that even now, years later. So Mary treasured these things in her heart and pondered them. Do you take the time to treasure and ponder the things of God? The shepherds then left from there. They returned and they were glorifying and praising God just as the angels had done. So Mary and Joseph then carried out then the pronouncement of the angel by naming their son according to the word which had come to them before the baby's conception and then afterwards again. And that is they were to name him what? Jesus, which is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh or the Lord is salvation. And as was custom then, he was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, many of you, you know this, you know this story of Christmas. You've heard this before. But I'd like us just to treasure this story and ponder this story in our hearts here today. The angel said that this was good news of great joy. This was good news of great joy. You know, we have a, a word that, is, that we use all the time, which its translation means good news. What word is that? Gospel. This is the gospel of great joy, the good news of great joy. And what is this good news of great joy? You know, some of us, maybe we've heard it so many times that we kind of take it for granted. But I'd like you to challenge you. I'd like to challenge you today just to stop and reflect once again on that. You know, for me, the story of the gospel, the good news of great joy, it never gets old, does it? It never gets old. Now, I know that we can get preoccupied with all kinds of things, needs and concerns, things we have to do, get done. How many of you here are thinking, maybe right now someone might be thinking about, what do I have to do this afternoon in order to be ready for Christmas Eve tonight, right? But I would challenge you, stop. Treasure these things. 
Ponder them in your heart. What is the good news of great joy? Well, first of all, it is peace with God. It is peace with God. You know, the scripture tells us that God is holy and righteous and just. That all of us have rebelled against God. That we have done sinful things. We are sinners by nature and by practice. And because of that, God, who is a just judge, will judge all of that sin. But this is the good news, that we no longer have to be judged for that, that we can be forgiven of all of our sins and no longer be at war with God, but that God will be at peace with us. Peace with God, forgiveness of sin, rescue from the penalty of sin, which is what? Death and eternal condemnation, hell, rescue from hell. It is not only forgiveness of that, rescue from hell, but it is then the gift of eternal life, eternal blessing and favor in God. It is hope, eternal hope. Does this story ever get old? No. It is perfect righteousness. That is what God has made us to be perfect you know, I've, I have often said, I'll say maybe for some folks here who may not have heard this, I say, what, what would you think if God were to come to you and, and to say, I will forgive all of your sin. Everything that you have done up to this point is forgiven. Now all you have to do is be perfect for the rest of your forever. <laughs> well, that wouldn't last very long, right? Wouldn't last long for me. So, God didn't do that, though. He didn't just forgive our sins and say, good luck. He forgave our sins, but then also, what did he do? He then also gave us the gift of perfection, righteousness. See, just, our, just as our representative Adam failed the test, Jesus passed the test of perfect obedience for us, and we receive that as a gift when we believe in him. So it's forgiveness of sin, yes, but it is also the gift of perfect righteousness, obedience. And that is credited or given to us as a gift. And you say, well, I don't experience perfect righteousness now. No, you don't right now. You have it right now as a gift. But when will you experience that perfect righteousness? When we are in his presence, right? That perfect righteousness in his presence But then it is also the hope of the resurrection of the body. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, so too will we, that our bodies will be transformed and glorified. You know, I started off this morning by telling a story about this uh, thyroid problem I had and what I went through and the worries and the concerns then of that. And you know what? One day I'm going to have a body that's never going to be troubled by that anymore. One day you're going to have a body that's never going to be troubled by any of these afflictions. That won't age, it won't get sick, it won't be corrupted or corruptible, but it'll be glorified like the body of Christ after his resurrection. That's part of the good news of great joy. That's part of our gospel hope, right? Forgiveness, perfect righteousness, a resurrected body, But then also, heavenly reward. Did you know that what you do here now for God 
is never forgotten, and it will be remembered for how long? Forever and ever. Rewarded forever and ever. It is also then the hope or the promise that God is making all things new. A new heaven and a new earth. He is coming again. He will judge all people of all time. And then he will make all things new. And for those who have believed in him, who have received the gift of the Savior, we will rule and live and reign together forever and ever on a new earth in the presence of God. Now, is that good news? That is great news. (laughs) That's great news of great joy, isn't it? So I would challenge us all here today on this Christmas Eve that I know we've heard this story many times, but don't take it for granted. Ponder it anew. Give thanks and praise to God for it. And however much you may enjoy the tree and the presence and the gatherings with your friends and family, give thanks to God. Worship him. Give thanks for this most wondrous gift. So what? Well, I think I already told you the so what right there, but I want to remind us. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people and is a story to be shared with whom? With all people. So in closing then, I want us to do three, three things with this good news of great joy. Believe, rejoice, and share. Believe, rejoice, and share the good news of great joy. First, believe. Believe the good news of great joy. Maybe this Christmas, there's someone sitting there. This might be the most wondrous Christmas and the most wonderful Christmas you ever have. Why? Because up until now, you've not heard or understood the gospel, the good news of great joy that is for you. Scripture says if you believe that, if you put your trust in God, in the truthfulness of what he has done in Christ, put your trust in Christ, in his life, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection from the grave, if you believe into him, you will be saved. You will be rescued. You will be at peace with God. You will have forgiveness of sin. You will have the gift of eternal life. You will have the promise of the resurrection, the promise of heavenly reward, the promise of a new earth. All of those who believe, trust in Christ, have this promise, this hope. Believe the good news of great joy. Second, then, I know many of you have believed that. Rejoice. Rejoice in it. Enjoy your Christmas celebrations with family and friends, but rejoice first and foremost in this, in this good news of great joy. And then finally, we said, who is this, who's this good news for? Everyone. Share the good news of great joy. Share it in word and in deed as you talk with people, but also communicate this good news not just by the words of your mouth, but also by 
the actions of your life? Do people see the truth and the reality of the good news in how you live? Not just what you say, but in how you live. That is sharing the good news of great joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful, great news of great joy that we have in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I want to pray here for each person here. The Lord, maybe there is someone who is hearing this right now, and, and for the first time, they're hearing it, or for the first time, it's, it's coming together to, to make sense, because your Spirit is working in their heart right now, Lord. So, Father, I pray then for those who are hearing that word and whom the Spirit is drawing them, Lord, that they would, you would make them come alive, that you would regenerate them, make them new, and give them hope and eternal life. They would put their trust and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. They would have forgiveness and hope, eternal hope. Lord, many of us here I know who do believe this. May we rejoice in it. May we not be overcome, Lord, by distractions and and even good, not just troublesome, worrisome things, but Lord, even good things that can distract us from embracing in full and giving you the worship and the honor and the praise that you are due. May we worship you anew and afresh this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and all the days of our lives. And Father, may we be faithful then to share that, to share that good news. Maybe it's right there in our home with other family members. It's a neighbor, a co-worker, or even a stranger, Lord. May we be faithful to share the good news in word, but also in deed. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org. 